This talk was recorded by Canvas Outreach Minneapolis, the College Ministry of Bethlehem Baptist Church, as a part of the 2021 Summer Training Project. For more information on Summer Training Project or Canvas Outreach Minneapolis, visit cominneapolis.org. So we're going to get started, and I'm going to start with a story. Um, So last fall, I was becoming increasingly aware of the reality of my prayer life, and I was quite dissatisfied with it. I wanted to be a woman who prayed and trusted the Lord to hear and answer her prayers, but for years had struggled with praying for more personal and vulnerable requests because I feared that God wouldn't answer them and that I would be left with doubts of his goodness. But mid-December, this past December, I was driving home from church and was struck with a sadness because it hadn't snowed and it was almost Christmas. And I love snow so much. Um, And it was only 12 days until Christmas. And I was like, man, I just really wish it would snow. And um, so I was thinking about it and how much I'm reminded of God's goodness and his gentleness and his pureness and beauty through the soft flow soft falling of snowflakes that each uniquely um, mirror who he is in a glorious way. And so most people I know, I'm aware, they don't love snow to the same extent that I do. Um, And I was thinking about it and I was like, you know, it feels really silly and stupid, honestly, to ask God for something as little as snow. There was no snow in the forecast and um, I was like, man, it's just not going to happen before Christmas, and I feel really sad about it. And I don't think I should feel sad about it, but I do. Um, And so I was aware that most people, if it started snowing, would probably feel a little bit annoyed because driving in the snow isn't the most fun thing ever. But I was like, you know, despite all of these reasons why I think God wouldn't answer this prayer, I'm going to pray it anyways. And so I began to pray, and before I was even finished praying, it started snowing. Mid-prayer, he already answered it. This um, seemingly insignificant and small prayer showed me that God heard my prayer and was delighted to answer it, and I was really ecstatic about it. I was pumped. I was, um, I think I like called somebody later, and I was like, okay, do you see the snow? Because I prayed for it, and it started snowing. (laughs) I was so excited about it. Um, and it gave me a confidence and boldness to ask the Lord for something that was a lot more vulnerable, that was a lot dearer to my heart, that I had put off praying for so long because I was afraid that he wouldn't answer it in the way that I wanted to or the timing that I wanted him to. Um, so I also then started praying for that because I was like, well, God just showed me that he hears my prayers and that he cares about me. So why would I not pray for more? Why would I not trust his goodness? So I started praying for something else, and that night he answered that prayer as well um, and has continued to answer that prayer faithfully um, in some really unexpected and hard, messy, but also really beautiful ways that have reflected his goodness and pointed back to his glory. Um, So I have a couple photos from that day. Um, Okay, also this is Martinelli's. It is non-alcoholic sparkling grape juice, or sorry, sparkling apple juice. Um, And these are just two pictures from that day. This is Belle over here, so you all know. Um, Her and then her sister Cassie on the other side of me, and then Emily behind her 
We're all roommates this past year. And this is a picture that we took that night, just celebrating the answered prayer. And the other picture um, of the snow is a Snapchat that I sent that day because it was snowing and I was so excited about it. I was standing in the Target parking lot. I could probably walk to the spot that I was standing when it started, or when I took this photo. Um, but those were um, just some really sweet um, ways that God communicated to me that he hears our prayers and that he delights in answering them. Um, so I realized that I just shared two examples of prayers that God answered as an immediate yes, but sometimes his answers, are, his answers to our prayers are no or not yet, and I do want to acknowledge that. Um, I'm aware of many, many prayers in this room that haven't been answered yet in the ways that we would want or the ways that we would hope. Um, so some of that is healing for an illness or pain for yourself or a family member. Um, some of it is um, restored relationships with family or friends um, or um, a sibling, a friend, or a parent trusting in Jesus as their Savior um, for their salvation. And some of it is provision of a friend who would stick close in a lonely season of life. And these are just a few examples. I know there's so many more out there. Um, but I just want to acknowledge that I know that these are true and there are ways that um, we do feel sad and hurt and um, that prayer can feel like a hard topic to hear somebody talk about of, hey, these are some great things about how God hears our prayers and answers them in really great ways when that's maybe not your experience right now and how you're coming into this room. So I just want to acknowledge that and I will touch on that again in a little while as well. Um, but I'm going to start us with some prayer, which is fitting because we're talking about prayer. <laughs> um, dear Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for this day. I thank you for waking us all up this morning and for bringing us together to uh, be in a space where we get to um, learn more about you. And I just ask that you would be with us, that you would fill this space, and that you would um, communicate to us through things that I say, um, but also if things are unhelpful that I say, God, I just ask that you would um, cause people to forget them and um, ultimately that you would be glorified during this talk and um, that we would go out into the rest of the day, into work later this afternoon and into the weekend and the rest of project, um, just being able to have an um, understanding and a trust that you are a good God and you do hear us and you do delight in answering our prayers. Um, and so I ask that we will believe that, and um, even just that my nerves as I'm talking this morning would um, calm down in your name, Jesus. Um, and also that um, we would just be able to delight in you more together through this truth. So I ask all these things in your name, Jesus. Amen. Okay, so my main takeaway, if you get one thing from this talk, which somebody said this the other day, I don't remember who it was, but... Um, if you only get one thing, maybe it was Brent, this is the one thing I want you to leave with. But I also would love if you paid attention to the rest too. Um, so prayer is powerful. God loves and hears us in our prayers, and he is moved by them with a delight in answering them to bring glory to himself. So we can move on. Um, I have a little road map of where we're going. So first, we're going to answer the question, what is prayer? And then, why don't we pray? Why should we pray? And then we're going to move into a workshop time. Okay, what is prayer? Thanks for asking. Um, prayer is powerful. 
Um, talking to the God of the universe is powerful. It's a personal conversation between you and God, and it's not something that we need to try to be the best communicator to do. All of us have access to him anywhere at any time. Just think about that. Let that sink in. Every person has access to God anywhere at any time through prayer, and that's powerful. And it's a joyful and sacred and intimate place that we can converse with the Lord. Um, And that's just a really sweet and powerful thing. Um, Prayer is also a powerful invitation to participate in God's redemptive story. Um, It's one, one of the ways that we can participate in the saving work that he freely offers to people is through praying. We know that we're not the people that save other people. God is the one that does the work but he invites us to be a part of that, and prayer is one way. We're going to look at some examples in a little bit, too. Um, But prayer is a way that we can pursue something bigger than ourselves, and it's something that only God can do. He wants us to be a part of what he's doing, and he does the work, but he invites us to be a part of what he's redeeming and restoring. So one of the examples that I want to look at is Revelation 21.5, which records God's declaration Behold, I'm making all things new. This promise is one that we get to be a part of. In Colossians, Paul tells the church of Colossae, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us, that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. That's Colossians 4, 2 through 4. And Paul is asking them to pray for the Lord to open the door so that the gospel could be known and believed in Colossae. That's something that he's inviting them in to do so that God would work there. Um, The next um, point is that prayer is a powerful form of worship. It glorifies God and makes much of him while it minimizes ourselves. This happens through praising God and thanking him Psalm 145.3a says, Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. And 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Um, This also happens through confessing sin. Great. Um, And 1 John 1.9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And when he gets a chance to forgive us of our sins, he is so delighted in being able to do that. And that brings him more glory. We're thankful because he's changed our lives, and that brings him glory. Um, And then this also happens through surrendering to him, which again is powerful. Um, So it's acknowledging your trust in him and not relying just on what you can do, but relying on God's ability and trusting him. It's abandoning the control that we so closely want to cling to and grasp for um, and offering it freely to the one who knows you and loves you far better, far more intimately than anyone else ever could. Um, And it's trusting that he's a God who listens and he delights in blessing his beloved children. Um, uh, So then Luke 22, 42 is a way that um, Jesus models bringing a request to the Father. Um, He's asking for the cup to be removed from him. But at the same time, he has a greater willingness 
and desire to submit to the Father's will than he does for comfort and control that he could try to grasp for. Um, So he says, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And that's a really powerful thing because what he's facing here is this is right before he's going to be crucified. This is right before he dies on the cross. And he's asking if there's, any way, if there's any way that you can do this without me enduring all this suffering, then do that. But if not, God, I'm proclaiming that I want you to be in control and I want you to be glorified in this. And that's a really powerful statement. Um, so then the next section is why don't we pray? In the story that I began with, I mentioned that I've struggled with prayer throughout my life, not because I didn't think that it was a good thing, but because I was more influenced by the reasons why I wouldn't pray than the reasons why I would pray. So in preparing for this talk, I wanted to address some of the reasons why we don't pray to combat some of the lies so that we can then lay a better foundation for why we should pray. And just know this is not an exhaustive list, but I just identified a couple of big reasons um, why we might abstain from prayer. So one is that we don't know what to pray or how to pray, and that is something that maybe you would fall into that category. Um, And know that I'm not actually going to talk about that right now, but we're going to come back to that in the workshop, Um, and hopefully that will help you. And the other reason, which I would argue is the main reason why we don't pray, It's out of a disbelief that God is good and genuinely cares for his children. We fear that he doesn't hear our prayers. Um, We fear that they're ineffective and that they're passive. But in Matthew 6, verse 8, it says, Your father knows what you need before you ask him. So before we even pray, he already knows what we're going to ask. He hears our prayers, but he already knows too, which I think is just so comforting. And then in 1 John 5, 14, it says, And this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. It's promised that he hears us when we pray. Um, We also fear that he doesn't care. So in uh, Matthew 7, 7 through 11, it says, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? He wants to give us good things. He is a good God, and he desires to give us good things. James 1.17 says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Um, We also feel entitled or self-sufficient. We want to believe that God, or we want to believe that we are God. Um, We think that we don't have a need for him. Um, Or we assume that we deserve things because we think that we're good. Um, And we just assume that we deserve these things that appear to be good, but maybe they aren't actually. We fear disappointment if he doesn't answer our prayers in the way or timing that we ask. Um, but Psalm 84:11b um, says, No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. 
I'm not going to lie, this verse confused me for a pretty long time because I was praying um, some prayers that felt confusing why God wasn't saying yes to them because they felt good to me. It felt like this is a good desire and therefore God should answer it. Um, But then as I prayed about it more, thought about it more, I felt convicted of Psalm 16 verse 2 that says, I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. I have no good apart from you. And realizing that he is withholding, he is not withholding himself from us and he is good He's the best thing that we could ever have, the best thing that we could ever desire, the most life-changing thing that we could ever have and experience. And he offers that to us freely. What we actually deserve, what we're actually entitled to, is a separation from God for eternity because of our sin. But he freely offers grace to us so that we can have a relationship with him. And we so often, I can see this in my life, where I so often think, gosh, God isn't good because he's not answering this prayer. He's not giving me this thing that I think is good. But I'm holding that higher than I'm thankful for the goodness that he is and the grace that he's given me already. Um, So we don't believe that he is good a lot of times because we are um, disorienting some of the things that are happening in our lives and the way that he has has actually shown grace. And we also sometimes don't believe that our time is worth filling with prayer because we're selfish and we think that we have better things to do. We're prideful in accomplishing things independently. And there's um, a quote from A Praying Life that says, okay, this is like, it says this, but one of the words is different because we didn't actually know what that word meant. But it's a cinnamon, synonym, not cinnamon, (laughs) with... (laughs) with um, stronghold. So just know that that word is different. But it says private legal, or sorry, wow, I just messed this up totally. Okay. Private personal prayer is the last great stronghold of legalism. It's something that we want to cling on to because it's something that we want to do. And we don't, rec- we don't rightly recognize our need for and dependence on God. Um, Ephesians 2, which is one of my favorite passages, verses 4 through 9 says, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. This is a gift of God not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. And I love this passage because it so clearly says that we cannot save ourselves. It is only by God's grace alone that we can be saved. And so we actually can't independently experience true life and true freedom apart from him. Um, So I just want you to know in this section, God loves you and he wants to hear your prayers. He delights in that. The next section... Um, Oh, here it is. God loves you and wants to hear your prayers. Why should we pray? Um, So I have a couple reasons here. It brings glory to God. That's the main reason. It rightly acknowledges our dependence on him. And also, God invites us to prayer. Um, 
In Philippians 4.8, which we will be reading soon, it says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Also, there are a lot of different spots in which Jesus models prayer to us. We'll look at some of them in the workshop. Um, But I would encourage you to even go out into the rest of the day, the rest of the week, and look at some of those spots um, that he models this. Um, He also works through our prayers, and that brings him glory. Um, It helps us fight sin, and when we are abstaining from sin, that also brings him glory. Um, And that's by his strength and not by our own. Also, communication is essential in a relationship. Jesus prays to talk to the Father. If anybody could have gotten away with not praying and being like, been totally fine with it, it would have been Jesus because he's perfect. But, and he is God. But yet, he still models praying to the Father over and over and over again. Not just once, but several times. Um, so it just shows us that the communication in that relationship is really essential. Um, also, God answers our prayers and delights in doing so. His power is on display here, and he is made much of when we turn to him. Um, so, in conclusion of all these things, I hope that you know that prayer is powerful, that God loves us and he hears our prayers, and that he is moved by our prayers with a delight in answering them. Um, I do have a few discussion questions. Um, so the first one is, what is the main reason that you don't pray or you abstain from prayer? How can you overcome that hurdle? The second question is, what is something you haven't been faithful to pray for and why is that? And the third question is, what might need to change in your life to implement prayer as a daily spiritual discipline if it's not already? Thank you for listening to this message from the 2021 Summer Training Project hosted by Campus Outreach Minneapolis, the College Ministry of Bethlehem Baptist Church. Please feel free to share this message with others, but please don't charge, edit, or alter the content in any way without the written permission of Campus Outreach Minneapolis.